1: Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. On this episode of the Boost Hustle, I talk to Lois Cho, founder and CEO of Cho Wine. Together with her winemaker husband, Dave, they are Oregon's first Korean-American winemakers and are currently in the process of developing 77 acres in the Willamette Valley into sustainable vineyards that are going to be focused on varietals such as Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, as well as fun boutique-y esoteric projects as well. And during the early days of the pandemic, when most people were turning inward and locking down... Lois and Dave turned their vision outward into the world and set in motion a business plan to bring incredible wines to life. I'm not going to lie, when I met Lois I immediately wanted to be best friends with her. Um, And if you follow her on social media, you'll see why. She creates smart, effective, creative bites of content that have already garnered them a ton of positive attention. And it's not all just like flashy for the gram. Some of their wines have already been critical darlings and continue to get really great scores. I really hope you enjoy the episode. Um, we'll tell tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, my name
0: is Lois Cho, and I am the CEO, co-founder of Cho Wines, with my husband, who's the winemaker. And really, this started out with his vision, but now I am all enrolled in it, there is no way
1: I'm going to get myself out. No, you're in too deep, girl. Uh-huh. Way too deep. That's awesome. And you guys have, uh, was it two or three children? Three, yeah.
0: So we have two girls and a boy. They're nine, eight, and five.
1: Whoa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So <laughs> so starting a business during the pandemic with three small children, did your family and friends ask you if you guys had lost your minds? or You left out that I was working the front lines, too. So I was working <laughs> oh God, as a nurse
0: right. practitioner. That's so, right. Yeah. So yes, lots of people have always asked us, like, how do you guys do this? Are you guys crazy? Um, but most people who've known us this long know we're crazy and that we're always up
1: for adventure. And uh, yeah. they're like, well, what's new? Well, I mean, no offense, but you guys are a little bit crazy because I was thinking about this today, like to start a business, is incredibly hard and you have to be really brave. And I think that's why, um, most people starting businesses, starting out, start young, uh, because they don't have like a lot of people attached to them that are depending on them if things go South. So I mean this in an absolute huge compliment, like you both have to be a little bit nuts, but I love it and I'm here for it. And I really, um, I love following your social media. You're very good at it, by the way. Oh. Thank you. Did you see my Wes Anderson one today? I did. <laughs> I love that trend. Me it's too. It's so fun. Um, it's like, I don't know if the listeners have heard, but there's like this um, TikTok and Instagram uh, trend where you kind of create your life as a Wes Anderson movie, just like a tableau of a day. And, and it's uh, you did it with your kids. It was so cute.
0: Yeah. So actually Dave showed that one to me, that trend to me this morning. And like both of us were like, we need to do it. And literally within like 10 minutes, I made one. I was oh like, my I God. have to post
1: it. I love that. Um, well, let's start a little more. Let's just start further back. Let's go in the way back machine here. Where did you grow up? Where are you both from? Yeah. So I was born in
0: Southern California. So I grew up in Orange County, Mission Viejo. That's where I grew up. And then, um, when I was nine, I moved up to Vancouver, Canada, okay. uh, Dave was born in Seoul, South Korea, and when he was 14, moved to Vancouver, Canada as well, and that's
1: where oh, we met. Nice. Uh, yeah. Vancouver, I've heard, is so beautiful, yet very expensive, and I it's one of the places that's on my list of places to travel to. What were you doing in Vancouver when you guys met? Oh, gosh, it's like ages ago.
0: Yes, <laughs> Vancouver. We lived in Vancouver when the real estate market did not go completely bonkers. Um, so we, um, so I went pretty much from, uh, elementary school to college years. So I, I did a, a degree in pharmacology. Um, mm-hmm. so that was my undergrad. And then Dave was at a um, college, like a couple hours away. i um, doing a bachelor, a bachelor of arts. And so we sort of met mid-college at an university event and singing actually together. Ah
1: like karaoke or like an actual singing?
0: event. No, it was actually, Dave was in Bible college when I met him. This is something not a whole lot of people know, but he was I in Bible this. college training to be like a worship pastor. Like a, he used to write his own music. And, um, um, when I met him, we were on worship team together. So we we had a mutual friend and met. Worship at, team. Re,
1: yeah. We were, have you, have you watched beef yet? I haven't, I'm dying to have it okay, heard it's so yes. good.
0: They, they okay. encapsulate like all of Korean American church culture so mm. very well in, okay. that, in that show. So oh yes, that God. was us on worship team, me singing like up, him leading
1: worship. Yes, that Aww, was us. That's really cute. Uh, you guys are really lucky you didn't get like picked up by the Hillsong people because oh I know look, right oh, <laughs> like oh join ours um, they're, 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 it's it's crazy they're um I'm not gonna get into it but they're very yep. they're very cult like but yes, uh it's, yes. it's, it's, it's wild well that's very cool so how long have you been together oh gosh oh no uh oh <laughs> 19 years holy is that right holy moly because
0: 2004. Yeah. 19 years. Yeah. And, um, we've been married 15 of those. Forever. Yes.
1: It's, you know, I always thought when I was younger that I wasn't going to be one of those people to be like, Oh, how long has it mm-hmm. been? Cause like, you feel like when you're younger, that shit's going to be like burned into your brain. No, but yeah. I have been with my husband now. We'll be married 10 years in the fall. And somebody, I only know this off the top of my head because somebody asked me like a week ago and it took me a minute. I was like, We've been together 12 years 13 10 I don't even know
0: yeah and did the same thing with
1: kids like how
0: old are yeah. my kids again like, yeah
1: yeah I asked my husband how old my uh what year one of mine was born and it took him a minute the other day I was I like, know. <laughs> Uh-oh. I'm yeah. gonna tell them that so you guys were singing together um I was uh I read that uh, you guys were doing street busking. You want to talk yeah. about that a little bit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when, I guess our journey into wine, we always start with the
0: music. Um, so we used to busk on the streets of Santa Monica. It sounds so like, oh, we were just living the life. Um, but <laughs> on, the weekends, on the weekends, we would, um, so I was working as a nurse practitioner. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the weekends, uh, we would just go to Santa Monica and we were in a band and it was Dave's band and he wrote his own music. We did some covers. I sing backup. He played guitar. And it was our band was named Dave and the Cousins, <laughs> and Dave and I are not cousins, but it's <laughs> Dave and <kissing> cousins. <laughs> it's Dave and my cousins. And so we would. Um, you were left
1: out. We, How rude! We were,
0: I mean, we were the cousins, you know, the cousins, group of cousins and <laughs> Dave. Oh, okay, so then we would go and busk on Saturdays, like from ten a.m to like 6 p.m. So, um, Santa Monica, there's this strip of, um, like shopping outdoor strip area where, um, you'll see buskers like every, Mm -hmm. maybe like 10 feet will like, is that right? 10 feet? No, more than that. Um, but would would perform and we went and Dave. well, Dave was like, well, why don't, do you want to try busking? And I don't know. And he's like, well, let's try it. And so like, we went to like the, the city hall and like applied for our permit and got Aww. this bright neon green permit with our pictures on it and was so nervous the first time and then yes. got used to it and you just put yourself out there and we oh, would my. do that every weekend and someone after a year of doing that somebody gave us their card and was like hey do you want to come play at our winery and um, we happened to live in Temecula wine country at the time. So we're like, oh, mm-hmm. it's clo- close by. You know, we're we're not just playing for tips. They're going to pay us for the gig. Like, that's really awesome. We don't have to mm-hmm. drive really far. Let's try it. And then we started sort of doing the winery like circuit. Um, And there's this really cool um, like bar pub place called Crush and Brew where they do wine and beer um, Mm -hmm. in downtown Temecula and we used to play there regularly and then they just pour you free wine the whole culture like everyone is so friendly having so much fun Mm -hmm. and Dave was into craft brewing Interestingly enough, like in Bible college, he learned how to like homebrew stuff from his, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's
1: historical.
0: (laughs) Right. And so he um, was interested in how wine was made and then that's how he got into wine. He's like, I think I want to just like dive into it. And so he volunteered for Harvest and then got a lab tech position and we had our 10 month oh, well, we had a baby. (laughs) I I uh, stepped away from the band,
1: and then no buskin with the baby. Uh, no, no, no,
0: no. I got really bad Braxton Hicks contractions during midway oh. through one of the um, one of our performances, and I was like, "I'm mm-hmm. out." Yeah, yeah. And then, um, yeah, we went on a trip to Napa and just sort of explored the idea of becoming a winemaker, and That's yeah, we we're crazy enough to say, "Let's do it." And we moved up to Oregon, and he. Studied winemaking and jumped into the industry.
1: That's amazing. And you were—I mean, it—it it seems like your position. You were a um, nurse practitioner, right? Uh huh. Yeah. So were you kind of supporting things while he was getting his education in wine? I was the sugar mama. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. That was—I mean, you said yeah. it. I wasn't gonna yeah. say Yeah. No. Yeah.
0: I was funding all the wine activities, and okay. so it you was like- mainly. Yeah, it was his thing, and I, I fully supported it. I loved my job. I found my passion, and I mm-hmm. told him, you know, this is your thing. Go for it. I am here to support you. And nice. so, yeah, he explored the industry, networked a lot, mm-hmm. um, and, um, and yeah, wine was never supposed to be my thing. It was always going to be his, you know? and. Yep. Now and you're like, oh, no, wait, you're
1: having way more fun than me. I'm I'm coming over. I'm switching teams. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, it, it is essentially how things ended up that way. Like, so pandemic happened. I guess we just sort of fast forwarded a bunch, but I sure. don't know if you want to go in for it. Uh, yeah, for pandem- it. pandemic happened. Um, we ended up back in Southern California after like a decade of like chasing this winemaking dream. But, mm-hmm. you know, we ha- ended up having three kids along the way (laughs) and um I decided I was like you know what um this is really hard (laughs) three kids no family support and I just I can't do it anymore and um we I had seasonal depression too on top of that and so I told Dave like tapping out we gotta go and -hmm. he was so supportive and he said you you are my number one priority our families are number one priority um let's we'll move back down to California and then it was the first day of lockdown and we hadn't seen the pandemic coming, but we were like, we we're supposed to arrive on, um, Saturday, um, in Southern California. It was Monday and I was standing at the Winco, which is like the grocery shop here. Um, mm-hmm. And everybody's standing in line and, like, panicking that there's no toilet paper. Oh and God. I texted him. Yeah, I texted him in line. And I was like, I, because I, I was in a nurse practitioner mom's group on Facebook, too. And oh somebody God. gave, like, us a tip and was like, these states are going to go on lockdown soon. So I texted him. And I said, I'm pretty sure California is going on lockdown. We've got to move. And so we ended up moving three days early. And then as soon as we arrived in California, the, the governor declared lockdown March 19th. Oh my God. did you at least have
1: help? Like, did you have like a bubble with like family to help you with the kids in in California?
0: Right. And that, that's the thing. If we had stayed in Oregon, he would have quit his job. We would have had no bubble. And it was just the whole, all the timing of it was like, it's like, um, we had this perfect pandemic incubator where like we escaped down to California as if Mm -hmm. like we knew what was going to happen and, um, lived with Dave's mom. And then that's when we said, Hey, This is when Cho Wines is going to happen. And so the next month we formed our LLC.
1: Yeah. I mean, you guys had time to business plan and like dream and figure out like all the things that are hard to do while you're also working a full-time job. So, well, you were working a full-time job though, because did you keep working during the pandemic?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as soon as I had a job lined up, the clinic that I used to work at had a a position for me. They pretty much had an open door. Like if you want to come back, you can come back, which was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I went back and I... Was working with, you know, mask on, worked a full year with not even seeing any
1: of my coworkers or patients' faces. Like, oh, like a year later, that's what you look yep. like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it was weird when you start seeing people's faces again. um I I feel like it's serendipity, though. Like, the universe has this way of just kind of, I don't know, pointing you in the mm-hmm. right direction. You just feel mm-hmm. pushed, you know, sometimes. No. I, Mm -hmm. I, I've had a few times like that in my life where just something felt very certain and like, Mm -hmm. it just seems like that was it for you guys. So, um, who, I, I, I love your labels by the way. Um, who designed your, the artwork on your labels? I did. You did? Did you do both the, like the Pinot labels and the other ones? Mm -hmm. Those are really fun. I have to say as somebody who works in the wine business, you have (laughs) this brain trust, these big companies and marketing teams, people that have master's degrees. And the labels sometimes are so bad. Like, who's going to, like, oh, my God. Because, like, a bad so, label is, is the worst.
0: So that's the thing. Like, yes, I wasn't in the industry, but I sort of was. Because Dave had always set aside money each month to study different wines from all around the world. Mm-hmm. And so I would, you know, taste with him, but mainly like, look at the labels, look at the branding, see what I liked, what I didn't like, what mm-hmm. he liked and what he didn't like, what he thought was a high quality wine, what the branding looked like. And I think that cause I'm so visual, all that was sort of like a Rolodex in my head almost mm-hmm. like of like what, what a premium brand should look like. And so I think sure. that has, has definitely influenced the way that we designed um, our label, but You should look at some of the prototypes from the pandemic. I mean, it was like we would—I'd cut paper out and tape it on the bottle, like for the Mm -hmm. um, capsule. I would literally take foil out of like aluminum foil and put it on top, and yeah, and so that's like I have pictures of like bottles with aluminum foil and tape,
1: and that's so cool though. That's such a fun part of the process—is like the ideation part. I wonder so if I was going to start a winery and grow grapes anywhere in the United States, it would be Oregon for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a wine nerd. So what was the push to do that instead of California? The initial push was mainly because of school. So
0: Dave had a bachelor of arts degree already and he wanted to do another bachelor's and do pretty much a post-bac. And he looked into UC UC Davis and they said, we don't take post-bac students. And so if you want, you have to do a master's or, um, that's it. And so we're like, okay, well, where is the next, uh, you know, closest place. And so mm-hmm. that's how we ended up in Oregon. But, you know, both of us had lived in the Pacific Northwest or we consider Vancouver Pacific Northwest, sure. but, um, yeah, you know, up, up North. And, um, and so we had all, driven through, um, Oregon several times. And at one point had said, you know, we would, i I would love to live in Oregon one day. And that sort of stuck. And then, you know, we're like, let's go to Oregon. And we Googled pictures of Corvallis and all these (laughs) lovely fall (laughs) pictures. And we're like, that's where we're going to go. And then that's when, like, Dave's wine palette really changed. And he's like, oh, this is the wine I want to drink and make. And so that's why we stayed.
1: Do you have any favorite uh, Oregon producers? Like, I I know that I have, you know, like, a a handful, like, that I just – are just like the perfect expressions of Oregon with Pinot Noir. Who are some of you? Who do you think inspired you and Dave the most um, in Oregon? Because the inspiration for me wasn't there initially when I was here. So
0: from from my memory, the wines that stuck out that Dave really liked and um, like Cameron, uh, Walter Scott. um, So those are some, you know, of the brands that I can think of, but Mm -hmm. I'm sure Dave would be like, you forgot these people.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's like probably like 17 yes. wines that you he would put he would, uh, on the list. So your, your first, um, the first, uh, like, I guess, first vintage or first uh, foray into winemaking, obviously small production label, you guys were sourcing grapes at the beginning, right? Um, mm-hmm. Where primarily were you guys sourcing from?
0: Yeah, so our first vineyard that we sourced from was Laurel Vineyard, and mm-hmm. that um, Dave went to school with Andrew Albin, the son of the parents who planted it in 1981, and um, and so that was the first vineyard. And then the next year, we went to three different vineyards. Now we're at nine um, different vineyards all throughout the Walnut Valley and mm-hmm. the Rocks, ABA, uh, Rocks district. We look at high elevation sites mainly because we're making sparkling wine and want um, like natural acidity. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and with wanting to partner with growers for a l- like long time, rather than, you know, just having short-term contracts, sure. we want to make sure that we're in it, uh, for the long run. So like 20, 30 years down the line. Um, and with global warming, we're, we're definitely seeing changes and which is why we also, you know, wanting to purchase land, uh, in a high elevation area. And so that's mainly our criteria. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you really can't go wrong in the Willamette Valley in terms of soil, though.
1: Yeah, that's true. Tell me a little bit about um, the land you guys just just uh, bought. What you're doing there?
0: Yeah, so October 2021, five months after we launched Wines officially or had our first release, we um, purchased 77 acres in the Chehalis Mountains AVA. It's in the southern tip of Hillsboro, probably like just like 30 minutes, 25 miles from Portland. And so when we found the property, it was we were just doom scrolling during the pandemic and found (laughs) (laughs) this website called landandfarm.com that had this gorgeous property that had no vines on it, but it was Hmm. the exact elevation we wanted, the location we wanted. Um, It just didn't have any vines planted. And Hmm. I sent it to Dave. and I said, what do you think? He's like, I already saw it, but I figured you didn't want to even look at it. I was like, "I, I think we have to do this, Dave. And he's like, are you insane? Like, are you crazy? Like, we'd have to, <laughs> we'd have to move back to Oregon. We'd have to, like, we have to plant vines. We have to do all this. It's like if 10 years down the line we look back and we feel like this that we'd regret it then we we, it's something we definitely have to do right now and so that's how Mm -hmm. we ended up finding that property and getting it but it um yeah it's like southwest facing slope in the shehillah mountains ava at 650 to 1150 elevation Mm -hmm. foot elevation we had a soil scientist come out and he dug 15 different soil pits and each of them were all so very diverse, almost like a rainbow layering um, of soil with like the landslides and the floods that had come through over the years. Mm -hmm. And then you see river rocks and you see um, just so many different, um, so much diversity. And even the soil scientist was like, I haven't seen this much diversity on one property in forever or at all um wow. and so we we even stumped him a little bit and so we're like this is this is really special we have to jump on this and
1: so we yeah did. that's very cool so of those 77 acres what are you guys starting out planting on
0: so last fall we planted Pinot Pinot gris Pinot noir and Chardonnay for both still and sparkling wines, and they were bulking up on the Pinot and Chard this spring. Right now we just planted last week, and then um, Dave's gonna start uh, experimenting with like one acre blocks of like Aligote and Trousseau Noir Gamay. Um, he wants to potentially do Syrah. He's
1: yeah, so he's just you know things to have fun with over yeah. time. Trying to keep it fun and interesting and boutique mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I, I saw you guys make some Pet Nat, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Are you guys still making a cider too?
0: Yeah, so we made an apple grape co-ferment. So it's like a, uh, we call it con consider or consider, which means with cider or also in French means uh, reconcile. Mm-hmm. And so um, we took seven heritage clone um, apples from Turner, Oregon and um, pressed that down and added it to the skins and seeds of um, our uh, sparkling pressed grapes. And so we fermented that down. It's really delicious. It reminds me of like a French cider. Yeah, so we're just, you know, trying to the way that came about was though was um because of the early frost that happened in Oregon and we're just trying to combat being a small producer not like having enough tonnage and we're like well how can we like bulk up on our tonnage or our um our production this year and meet the demand while um you know still being true to ourselves and um Oregon and so we're like well what if we tried this and um Dave's really creative that way and it turned out really good and then yeah. we're scared for no reason because we had a great harvest.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's great. I would say though, that's like, I love that you're doing that. It's really cool to diversify, especially what you're doing.
0: Mm-hmm. You get,
1: we're we're gonna have to increasingly learn to work more with nature and the way things are changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I know. I think that's really fun, and I think it's kind of at the heart of and soul of what you guys do is creating some creative, interesting things, and that inspires other people in the wine industry, you know? Yeah. I'm really interested to hear about how you guys mix up the work-life balance situation <laughs> that you have. <laughs> There's no balance. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's, yeah. It is um, – how do I say this? Okay, so Dave and I – our besties. <laughs> and so we actually, we enjoy spending time together. So anytime away from the kids feels like we're dating, you know, it sounds sort of cheesy. So, um, so anytime we're in the cellar or on the vineyard property and the kids aren't with us, it's like, it's like we're having fun. So, um, so I think that's how our relationship is balanced. And then as far as the kids, like Dave's mom just re- recently retired. And so she's been home to really help with the kids as we build the business.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: um and then i spend time with the kids every night and lay in bed with them and just listen to the day and then tell them what we did and just you know debrief a little bit and i think they yep. really treasure treasure that time you know Aww. even if we didn't spend the whole day together but just to know like okay this is your safe place and mom's here to sure. listen you know
1: yeah that's so hard to do um you know i i i try to balance that as well like my Husband works from um, well not work from home. He has a his own business, he has landscaping mm-hmm. business. Um, so he's more flexible during the week. And then my job I travel, which not all the time, but enough to where, you know, I missed I missed my youngest's first T ball practice yesterday mm-hmm. and I was so bummed about it. But um, I but I was like, I'll be at your game on Saturday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it's really hard, especially like being a mom in this business, being a woman in this business. Mm-hmm. I mean, things are changing, but not as fast as I would like them to. Right. But I think the conversations are starting to happen. So people are more acutely aware of, you know, not running yourself ragged and making sure you're creating that space.
0: And I think, I think that's what was key for us in like the timing of everything was that I was able to take care of my mental health. And when, when I did do that and when everybody in the family was on board to like support mom, she's having a tough time. Let's all like focus on that and Mm -hmm. support her. Then I was like rebuilt and Mm -hmm. suddenly had this capacity to be able to jump in and be like the CEO and like run the business. And, Mm -hmm. and so I can't emphasize that enough that, um, I feel like our society has, this desire to like be like go 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 and bra- you know just really bragging about like being busy all the time, but unless like you really take care of your core being first, I think the output's not going to come.
1: Have you guys submitted any of your wines for scores yet, or are you not quite there? Mm-hmm. Or are you we out? have, yeah our
0: our wines like straight out the bat got like ninety plus reviews from wine enthusiasts, dream nice. Suckling. and so it's yeah we. Dave and I we had some contention about whether we should or not and he's all about like not sending them in. He's like, you know, he's an artist, right? He's a musician sure. and he I don't need to be like, judged by these. Right, people. exactly. But you know, I'm a type A like a straight A student, so I'm like, I need those scores, you know. Ah. <laughs> That's and why so, you
1: need both of you running this thing, you know? Exactly,
0: exactly. So, yeah, but I, it's been helpful in, like, just getting our name out there, I think. And just, yeah. you know, for people with a new brand, they're not sure, like, well, can I spend my, you know, $60 on this wine? Um, so it's helpful in that way,
1: I feel like. with Yeah, you know, it is. It is, maybe. too. So I guess, like, there's problems with both sides of it, though, because, like, depending on your production... If you don't have wine to sell, you create demand for something you can't fulfill. And then people kind of get like, why are we, Mm -hmm. why are you, why is this in wine enthusiast if I can't get it? Um, On the other side of it, you have small producers. I talked to a small producer a week ago who was just like, I'm not going to submit anything that I can't, it's all direct to consumer. I, what am I, you know, I guess my question is what's the business model plan for you guys? Um, what's your current production like where do you see it going in the short term long term
0: mm-hmm. yeah so we started out at 700 cases we're at mm-hmm. 3,000 now and the goal was to double each year but we were at 3,000 uh, last year and we're going to be at 3,000 this year yeah. uh, mainly because um, we're not in our own space yet and our sure. um, our winery um, build that we're, um, we're actually building a tasting room winery right now um, it got delayed about like six months to potentially a year and so we won't be in our production owns production space but our goal is to get up to you know six Maybe 10, I don't know, yeah. we'll see. Oh.
1: Yeah. And the bulk of that's going to be in the, so let's um, tell our listeners a little bit like the tiers mm-hmm. of what you, what you guys are producing.
0: So um, we have two different labels. One's more of like a popping teal color, um, like grab attention grabbing logo. And those ones are a little bit more of like our, what we call our experimental wines. So like our Petnats, Piquettes and our uh, Coferment. And then um, we have more of like a traditional flower logo. Those are all or- Oregon wildflowers with that spirit of us like growing wherever we want, um, doing whatever we want. And so um, those, those labels are more of like the Dave's um, traditional classical winemaking style. So your yep. um, champagne style of sparkling and your pinots, rosés, um, white pinot. Um, Mm -hmm. so those are the different, I guess, tiers, um, that Mm -hmm. we have. And then, um, yeah, if, in terms of like tiers of like where we're selling, we, um, do both DTC, um, direct to consumer online, but we also do, um, wholesale, um, with direct accounts that we have, and then also in distribution. So we're actually distributed right now in Toronto, South Korea, um, South Carolina, Alabama, Mississippi, um, random. <laughs> yes. So random. <laughs> wait, 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 Let's back this up here
1: for a second. How, okay. What's the connection between Alabama? What, it's blowing my mind. Okay. Explain to yes. me the distribution network you have.
0: <laughs> it's okay. So you know how we launched on um, social media, right? And I, and it, it all goes back to stories, but you know, when we launched in 20, um, like 2020 was our first official vintage of Cho Wines, right? And with, with the name Cho. And, um, we, I had 200 followers on my Instagram account at the time. And I was like, how are we going to sell wine in Oregon while we're living in California? Um, we have to really bulk up our Instagram account. So I started filming all this content during harvest. And then I, After during after harvest come back to California and then just keep reusing that content (laughs) and just like posting stuff like and people who knew that we were living in California were like are you guys back in Oregon I was like no no it's just old content (laughs) posting Mm -hmm. Um, and I just kept doing that and then I reached out to a bunch of people distributors, like, well, not knowing that they were distributors, but people on Instagram who were very engaged because of the pandemic. Um, Everyone was stuck at home. So like from like distributors, Psalms, even winemakers, and just had this like blurb that I would cut and paste. And every night I would message like 30 people and just randomly with like people who were following accounts I felt like would engage with ours. And then, you know, just, I was just every day, just so active. And then with that came random people that were interested in our brand. So, like Nadine Brown, um, someone for um, Charlie Palmer House, like in DC, um, she wanted to do an IG live with us. Um, there were like winemakers in California, like during Asian, like that are Asian wine professionals. Wilfred Wong, wine reviewer for Bevmo interview Mm -hmm. wanted to talk with us and interview me for an article so like there were just like random connections that were happening Mm -hmm. and so distributors reached out and so from korea from toronto from you know south carolina so that's like i'm not gonna say no
1: (laughs) yeah exactly
0: and so we had interest in like we were in illinois for a little bit too and then you know california we um, actually are self-distributed down there because we have a winery license down there as well um, so, yeah, that just makes up the weird distribution network that we have.
1: That's so interesting. Yeah, usually mm-hmm. the distribution model is, like, key markets first or markets that are closer to home, right. and then you kind of expand out from there. That's really interesting. Um, I, I'm kind of jealous. I'm, I'm like, my my counterpart at work, it covers Georgia and Alabama, and I'm going to be like, you have to find some of these show wines for me. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, or I can just buy them from your website, so yes, that's, yeah. that's probably the way to go. I was gonna say, that's very impressive, by the way, just from somebody who works in wholesale distribution, the gorilla marketing aspect to managing your brand, I love that. So many people have these great ideas um, or great products and they look at it through the lens of like, I make this and then I hand it to this person exactly, and then yeah. they do that, and mm-hmm. I love that you're like, part of the whole through line Mm -hmm. beginning to end and that you've taken such ownership over it and it's it's really amazing I have no doubt how successful you guys are going to be just because if you have the ability to (laughs) already manage the business that way um, you're going to do really well in this industry thank you that that sure.
0: comforting to hear, but yeah, with Dave and I kept saying like we're building our business backwards because <laughs> we were like distributed already and we had all these house like wholesale accounts, but we we want to grow our DTC and we're like, how do you do that? You need a mm-hmm. tasting room, um, yeah. and so we truly found that over this last year, as we've been doing tastings just once a week, how like we've been growing our club membership that way. And yeah, we're we just like are counting down the days to to hosting tastings. But yeah, we start tent tastings this summer, so it's actually just a month away, Memorial Day weekend. So yeah, we're and from a profit deck, yeah. profit margin mm-hmm.
1: perspective, that DTC piece is going to be really important for you guys. Yeah. Just I mean, mm-hmm. what you're able to accomplish. What else was I going to ask you? I feel like I had so many things, but yeah. um,
0: Well, I have something to say.
1: Oh, I'd love um, to
0: hear. So one of the things being like a millennial and marketing online and like I can't stress enough like to wineries like utilize this free marketing tool um Mm -hmm. both like Instagram and TikTok too TikTok is like such a different beast but um you just need to be consistent but um the way that I see it and like the way that I see the wine industry or winery like marketing changing is that before people had to step foot at the winery and connect with the winemaker to feel a connection to the winery. But you can do that work before anyone steps foot in your winery at all mm-hmm. by sharing your story and being yourself, like putting yourself out there on social media. And that is like the biggest thing that I've found is that people are already connected to our story. And then a lot of people just end up showing up just to taste the wine and make sure that it tastes good. And they're like, sure. we're in, we want to join your club. Um, and so it's just a, like everybody is looking for connection and I it's just one
1: thing I can't stress enough to people. I'm like,
0: please grow your social media <laughs>
1: accounts. I know. Yeah. It's it's one of those things that it, it is so time consuming, but it's so mm-hmm. important and you're right. And I mean that's your social media is great. I think that's how I found you. I don't uh-huh. even I don't look, even know where no, I found you. That's guys.
0: the funny thing is that there's so many people like, I don't know how I found you and then they look back at the message and it's like, Lois messaged me. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> I might have I don't know
1: <laughs> no I messaged you for sure okay, I think good. I saw one of your either one of your TikToks or one of your Instagram reels or something yeah. and it's was like oh my god these guys are so cute Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about, um, the Asian American wine professional aspect of things, because I actually interviewed a a Native American winemaker last week. And we were talking a little Mm -hmm. bit about like the history of indigenous people in the United States making wine. Um, and I know there's also a long history of, um, Asian Americans making wine. Um, I'd love for you to speak a little bit about that if you don't mind. Yeah. Um,
0: so, I'm not sure if you knew. So I am putting a Oregon API food and wine fest together did you? Oh. Oh, I didn't you know didn't that. know? Oh my goodness. Okay. Pretty here the first folks. Yeah, I know, right. <laughs> okay, so there's a um on May 20th and 21st. At Stoller Family Estate in Dayton, Oregon, um, we're hosting a Oregon Asian American Pacific Islander Food and Wine Fest, and it's going to be five Asian American owned wineries from the Willamette Valley and ten Asian American Pacific Asian American Pacific Islander um, chefs from Portland, awesome. and um, we're going to be doing non traditional food pairings, and um, it'll be a good old day of fun, a <laughs> fun of like wine tasting food pairings, um, but I ca- I came up with this idea because you know, when Dave and I launched Show Wines, Dave's the first Korean American winemaker in Oregon. And that was like the headline that everyone wanted to publish, you know? Mm-hmm, sure. I'm like, well, well, lean into it, you know, that's what they want to publish. It'll get our name out there. Right. And then a lot of times people would ask us, you know, how does, um, being Asian American influence your winemaking? And initially Dave was like, it really doesn't. <laughs> and then we thought about it a little bit and like, actually like our palate definitely influences the wines that we want to drink and what we grew up eating. And that connection between our childhood food experiences and your palate and then winemaking, like just all made sense. Mm-hmm. And, um, now like the industry is growing a little bit more diverse and, you know, being a very Eurocentric industry before, um, we found in the Walnut Valley, we have 700 wineries and 10 of them are Asian American Pacific Islander own, like very small percentage but yeah. it's a percentage like it's we're there yeah. and um and what was your question
1: <laughs> something <laughs> that
0: I, it makes sense to me that you know that we, yeah we're I was just tying
1: yeah I was just tying in um mm-hmm. the history of I guess Asian American or Pacific Islander yeah um Americans like in winemaking um, yeah because as as you said it, it has been very Eurocentric for so long mm-hmm. um and I think you know, the headlines, the buzzy headlines, like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, but I don't think people realize there is kind of a rich history there, even there in California. Is. Yeah.
0: So I went to go visit Shramsburg. Um, Jess Koga. Jessica Koga is the head mm-hmm. wet maker there. And um, she gave us a tour of those caves underground. Beautiful. And they were like hand dug by yep. Chinese railroad workers and like goosebumps like being in there and almost like this eerie feeling of you know all these like railroad workers that had finished working and they were looking for work and then they sort of started like migrating to like the wine industry and like you know help building out these caves and mm-hmm. um so yeah there's a there's a history there and then and then quiet for a very long time sure. you yeah. know and so but that's like, I mean, that's a history that is foreign to me because, you know, my family is Korean-American uh, or Korean and we, yeah, wine just was not something that we grew up with. And mm-hmm. a lot of our families immigrated to the U.S. in the 70s to 90s um, with parents that didn't, may not have had a whole lot of education, um, sacrificed a whole lot to come here, and but wanted their children to excel. And so now mm-hmm. there's this generation my age that, you know, are educated, but have had no, you know, wine education or wine background at all, because their parents never drink wine, never afforded to, and if they had the extra money, that's not what they were gonna spend their money on, right? Sure. And, um, And now the conversation is changing a little bit, where it's like, okay, like, Asians may not have had that experience, But now it is afforded to them and they want to learn. And, you know, we go pour our wines for multiple different restaurants and, you know, like Michelin star restaurants and like, you know, they love our wine. And then you go to the Asian American or Asian restaurant and they're like, I know nothing about wine. Like they (laughs) shy away and say, I'm not the person you should be speaking
1: to. And -hmm. it's like,
0: we want to change that dialogue a little bit.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's where innovation comes from, right? Like if you have a generation of, wine drinkers or people that have been drinking the same kinds of wine for a really long time and they have this idea of what what something's supposed to taste like and what something's Mm -hmm. supposed to be like but then you have someone come to it from a new place that's where innovation comes from that's where you get a fresh perspective that's where changes come things that make things better you know and and that's um that's really important you know in, Mm -hmm. in every in every aspect in in food and in wine so absolutely i think that's really great what else? What, what else is going on? This, is, this episode is going to come out on Monday. Oh, is so, it? So, yeah. Want to hear if, some
0: juicy gossip?
1: I love juicy gossip.
0: NBC News Nightly is coming to interview us. <gasps> and they're coming May 2nd or May, May 3rd, 4th, I think. So they're going to come film us on our property. So they're exciting. Gonna, inside our winery for API Heritage Month, they're going to do a feature That's on amazing. national news. Yeah, it's insane. Holy so, moly i know isn't that crazy
1: that's awesome like what are what's the story like what's the angle do you know that what they are did they tell you what their angle is
0: it's korean americans building (laughs) (laughs) winery
1: doing cool things doing insane things (laughs) oh that's so awesome oh very fun i love that well congrats on that you guys are gonna uh, blow up i hope you're producing a lot of wine (laughs) Um, yeah you know we're working on that (laughs) I know I'm gonna order some I was looking on your website earlier today and I was like shit I wish I had tasted some of them before we had a chance to talk what are
0: we doing we should have we should have been drinking during this interview I know we're just gonna have to redo it you know
1: I know (laughs) we'll do it we'll do a follow-up in a little while and I'll be like remember before you were as astronomically famous as you are today you do realize that like in a few years when you guys are like really, like, in the stratosphere of success, I'm going to hit you up for a job, like, if you need mm. a Northeast. Of course, yes. Where do you want to be? I got you. I know, <laughs> right, right.
0: We had That's so awesome. much fun. I I was at Cherry Bomb um, a couple – well, I can't, I don't even know what the dates are anymore, but yes, last weekend. Um, But it was just so fun connecting with all these people, all these women in food and beverage all across the U.S. And we've been um, trying to convince um, Carrie Diamond to bring it <laughs> to Portland next year.
1: So we'll oh, see yeah. if that happens. Oh, yeah, that would be yeah. cool. Yeah, we got to stick together, man. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a lot, a lot more women now. Um, But I'll tell you on the, not on the winemaking winery side, but on the actual supply chain side of things it's still a lot of dudes mm-hmm. so, uh, i believe we're, you we're uh you know we're we're, we're popping up in there and, and throwing elbows around but it's um it's got to change it's just like a, a lot of people need to retire you know <laughs> like don't you need to golf more <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like you'd be happier there so <laughs> oh man but it was so nice to meet you likewise